God, we do thank you and we praise you for the breath in our lungs. We thank you that you created us. We thank you that we're able to do all that you are asking us to do if we are a believer in Christ. And God, we thank you, as Colin said, for the work that Jesus did on the cross. We thank you for paying our sin debt. We thank you for that, Jesus. And we honor you. With the breath in our lungs, we honor you, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. Can we give him a hand clap of praise? I want to take just a few moments tonight to talk to you. I want to ask you a question. Where are you? Now that's, uh, if I were to just uh, come up to you on the street or come up to you uh, in at work or even here at the church and I were to say, where are you? Uh, that's a loaded question, right? It's a very loaded question because it could mean physically, where are you? Physically, you're in New York City in Times Square Church in the Mark Hellinger Theater in the middle of Times Square. Then you could take it beyond the physical and say, well, where are you in life? For some of us, uh, we're just starting out. Maybe we've just graduated from school and we're looking for a job. For some of us, we're kind of already in the throes of life. Maybe we're married or we're dating. Maybe we have children or maybe we're expecting one. Maybe we're already kind of in our career we're moving, we're shaking, we're doing all kinds of things. Maybe we're kind of at the peak of our career and we're already uh, making waves or we've made a name for ourselves. Maybe people understand what we do and who we are. Maybe we've kind of gone over the hill a little bit and we're looking forward to retirement, to sit on the beaches in Tahiti. I, I mean, I don't know what's in your retirement account. Maybe you didn't save enough, so you're going to be sitting on the beaches of Far Rockaway. I, that's up to you. You know, see your financial advisor, not me. Maybe you've already retired, and where you are in life is you're enjoying your grandchildren. You're enjoying the, the fruit of your labor. There's a lot of ways to answer that question. Then you could move into, where are you in your mind? What are you thinking about? Some of you are probably hoping that I speak shortly and not take a long time. Some of you are probably already planning in your mind what you're going to eat after the service is over. Some of you are planning the week. Maybe some of you are thinking about what you're going through in life. You're going through something. Maybe you're thinking about you just got a job promotion or something great. Just You just got married. So you're already planning. But you're already, your mind is moving. It's a loaded question. But do you know in the beginning, all the way back in the beginning of time, Jesus, uh, well, God asked that question to Adam and Eve. And I was reading through this week, knowing that I had to speak tonight. And that just kind of caught me because many times we ask that question, not only to other people, but we ask it to God. We're in a church setting tonight, and so we're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about what it means to be a Christian. But I want to take it from the angle that a lot of times we ask God that question. Where are you? Where were you? Where were you when that parent passed away? Where were you when that child passed away? Where were you when my marriage was falling apart? Where were you when I needed you most 
and you seem so far away? At one point, we've all asked that question, right? If you say you haven't, then you're really kind of lying to yourself. Because you may not ask God, where are you? But our actions show that. Maybe we were raised in church. Maybe we were raised with parents who uh, really wanted us to understand God. But we hit our teenage years, our college years, going through all kind of crises. And we said, where are you, God? And maybe we made up in our mind that God was nowhere to be found. Maybe we made up in our mind that it wasn't worth pursuing a relationship with God. Maybe we allowed other things to crowd us out. Our desire for money, our desire for fame, our desire for vanity, our desire for so many different things, a family or, or traveling or the experiential part of life. And so we kind of asked the question, but then we just kept right on moving. But let's turn the tables for a little bit because we love to ask that question. But do you know God is asking that question of you tonight? Where are you? See, the Bible says that he never shifts or or changes. He never moves. We may think that he does. We may think that God is in the cosmos. But in reality, God is right where you are. And it's up to you whether or not to accept to pursue a relationship with him or not. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force anything on you. And so many times God is asking us that question. Where are you? Where are you? And I want to go to the story right quick where that question comes from. And I don't really see it much anywhere else. The direct question But I know throughout Bible, a lot of times he's asking that question, where are you? And he's still asking that question today. Because as the song said, it's his breath in our lungs. When God formed you in your mother's womb, that's what Jeremiah tells us, that God reminded Jeremiah, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. When God formed you in your mother's womb, you were no accident. You were no mistake. He breathed into you. He gave you life. He gave you a soul for one purpose, and that's to have a relationship with him. That one purpose so that you would come to know him. That's the reason he created you. That's the reason that you're living today, because folks, many people have gone on before us, and at some point your life will come to an end too. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm just, it's going to happen. For some of you, it's probably going to be really gruesome. Sorry about that. Not in control of that. For some of you, you'll live really long and kind of wish it was time to go. But however your time comes, you're going to breathe your last. And then you're going to be standing before God. And eternity is forever. And you don't want to get to heaven and God say, who are you? That would be the worst question. And you're going to be like, wait a minute, who do you mean, who am I? Because we didn't have a relationship. Because he's asking you right now, where are you? Because eternity is too late at that point. Too late to, to build a relationship. That ship will have sailed. But when he created Adam and Eve and they were in the garden, how many of you know the story of Adam and Eve? We know it. Most of us loosely know it. I remember seeing a, a comedy. Uh, you ever see that show, Kids Say the Darndest Things? And they kind of reiterate. And so uh, the, the guy was asking these kids who were like seven, eight, and nine to explain the story of Adam and Eve. YouTube it one time. It's the funniest thing because they were explaining all kinds of stuff. 
They were just botching the story left and right. But I would garner to say if I went out on the street and asked a bunch of adults the same thing, I think people would kind of get it a little on the wrong side. But I don't want to go into the whole story of Adam and Eve. I want to kind of pick up for a minute where Adam and Eve were created, but then they ate the fruit they weren't supposed to eat. Everybody remember that part of the story, right? That's probably the one part we do remember. And after they ate it, they suddenly felt shame because they did something they weren't supposed to do and they knew it. And many of us do that too. There's a lot of things we do in our life. There's a lot of decisions we make. There's a lot of places we go. There's a lot of ways that we think, a lot of ways that we act. And we know we shouldn't act that way. But we kind of do it anyway, right? Everybody else does it, so why can't I? But God, on the other hand, is keeping tabs. Now, he's not keeping tabs so he can knock you upside the head, though you may need it from time to time. But God sees what's going on. And, and when it came to Adam and Eve, there came a point. This is in uh, the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 8. It says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing... The man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. So God walked among them. He had a relationship with them. And he's coming in the cool breeze of the day to kind of see where they are, to talk to them. And many times God does that in our life. He wants to come in. He wants to talk to you. But they hid from him among the trees. Sometimes we hide back from God, maybe because we feel shame, maybe because we're angry at God, if we're honest with ourselves. And so we hide from him. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now that's funny because it's a bit of a rhetorical question. It's not like God was playing hide and seek and didn't know where they were. He wasn't roaming in the garden like, hey guys, where are you at? I can't see you. Are you behind that rock? No. You over here behind that tree? No. It was a question he was asking that was much bigger than that. He said, where are you? Because what he's saying is, why are you hiding from me? We, we were walking together. Things were going great. Well, why are you hiding from me? He already knew it because the man replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was, in na because I was naked. And we do the same thing to God many times. We hide because we're ashamed. We hide because we're naked. Basically, we have to be vulnerable to God. You can put on a good facade, right? You can put on a good face. You can be a hustler. You can, you can be a mover and a shaker and make people think you are whoever you want to be. You can put your social media profile and pick that one picture from 10 years ago when you was a better weight and had better hair, if you had hair. Right? Don't act. You see people who put their social media profile up and then you see them in person and you're like, what in the world? <laughs> or you got the LinkedIn liars. You know, the people who make their LinkedIn profile look a whole lot better than it really is. And you know they never worked. They probably did none of those projects. They were probably like the copy boy in the... But they made... I am a paper distributor who, you know, they, the LinkedIn liars... You can do that to other people, but you can't do that to God. He knows the real you. And when you have a relationship with God, you have to be vulnerable. Even when you pray, 
Sometimes we learn this certain way to pray. We go, we, we want to sit down, we want to pray to God, and, and we act like he's the queen of England. Oh, thou greatest, mightiest, sovereign God above all the earth and cosmos and universe and the Milky Way and the Big Dipper. The one who created Mars and we thought it was Pluto, but now it's called something else, but you must have created that too. And we start talking to God in, 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 in this Elizabethan, Shakespearean way. And God's saying, what are you talking about? Hey. You have to be vulnerable before God. He just wants the real you. He created you. He knows what you're asking. He knows what you're thinking. But we hide from him. Because we don't want to be exposed before God. We don't want to be exposed because he's the only person that you can't hide the real you. You can't even hide what you're thinking. You can't go into, you can't start talking to God and just say, you know, Lord, I'm just slightly upset. God's like, don't lie. You're mad. You are spitting mad at me. Don't lie. <laughs> I'm coming to prayer closet and say, oh, Lord, I'm just a little. No, no, we know the real what's going on. But he asked him, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit commanded you not to eat? See, he had given him a command. We have the Bible. Now, we don't look at it as the do's and don'ts rule book. We look at it as our guide for life. It's a living word, a living document. Supersedes any congressional document that they have because his, his word transcends any country transcends any type of political system. His word is truth. It's foundational truth. And what in it, what is written in it is true. You can argue all you want to, but folks, it's true. It's absolutely true. And so he says in there, don't eat of the fruit. He tells us how to live this life. But hey, we think we know best, right? God understands me and God, we got, a, we, got a, we got a thing. We talked it out. I'm cool with God. No, God doesn't have extra side deals. There ain't no secret menu. No secret little coding in the Bible. It's all the same. But he asked them, who told you you were naked? Who told you who you're supposed to be? Who told you that? Who told you that it was okay to do that? Who told you that you can create your own truth because it's a lie. There's only one truth and that's Jesus Christ. I just have to say it. There's only one truth. That's Jesus Christ. So he said, who told you that? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Have you been partaking of things you're not supposed to? Because you already know. The Bible says we know. From nature, we know inherently there's a God. That's why there's so many different made-up, uh, man-made world religions. Because inherently, they know there's a God. Inherently, they want to draw to close to him. But the problem is, they don't want to do it his way, so they kind of make up their own way. And if you notice the difference between true Christianity and religion, is all the other religions are just trying to get you to be good, trying to get you to draw to God. But in Christianity, God came down to us. He draws you first. Jesus draws you. He says, I love you. 
I love you so much that even though you have a sin nature, even though you have done so many heinous things, I'm going to cover that. It's a debt you can't pay, and I'm going to cover that. Now, here's the funny part that we all tend to do, and this came from Adam. So we asked him about, have you eaten from the fruit? Now, that was a yes or no question. How many of you hate when you ask somebody a question? It's a yes or no, that's all I need, and they start with an excuse. How many of you have done that, right? Did you, uh, let me go back a little bit to like my mom. Did you eat those cookies I made? Well, mom, I was watching TV and I got hungry and you didn't specifically say, don't touch the cookies that were on the counter. And I know you had the cookies in the cabinet and she goes, stop. That's a yes or no question. Well, do you want your son to starve? Then we try to appeal to her emotion, right? Do you want me to stop? I'm a growing boy. You know, on the news, they locked the lady up who let her kids starve. I don't want to have to call the cops on you. Now, I grew up in the South. I never would have said that. That's what I was thinking, because I know she would have tore me up. And anybody raised in the South or from an old school, you know what tore me up meant. Today, she would get locked up. But back then, they ain't locked you up. The police would have stood there while she tore me up. Maybe we need to go back. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. So he asked the question, and we, we tend to do the same thing. We deflect or we blame. So what does Adam say? He goes, have you eaten the, from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? It's that woman you gave me. I was minding my own business, and her fine self rolled up, with the apple and was like, eat the apple. And I was like, oh, okay. It's that wife that I, I didn't even ask for. I was over here naming giraffes and cows and you said I needed a wife. And so the, I went to sleep and woke up and there she was. Don't, did I say my fault? I wasn't even thinking about that tree. We blame. So some of you are saying, it's not the wife you gave me, it's the life you gave me. The life you gave me. I wouldn't be in the mess I am if you would have given me this life over here. This much better life. Lord, if you would have made me a trust fund baby, I wouldn't have had to steal. I wouldn't even been here. I've been on a yacht in the Mediterranean. Lord, if you would have given me um, uh, uh, this better job, if you would have given me these better looks, if you would have given me this better edge, we begin to blame this life that we have. Now, I'm not discounting that things that happen to you in life will impact you as you get older. We've all been through something in life, and it's impacted us. But either you can continue to blame it years later, or you can say, no, as an adult, I'm not going to let that define me. And when we become a Christian, and now we have the Spirit of God living within us, God begins to identify who we are. 
God begins to say what, what we are and where we're to go and what we're to do. And that's what prayers, you're always communicating with God. Not to say you don't make mistakes, we're not perfect. But we understand that because of him, we now live this life. So I'm not blaming what happened in the past because guess what? I can't change the past and neither can you. And many of us have very rough past. We have some abusive past. We have past that, uh, that would have left us probably at a disadvantage if we were to compare to other people. But even then the Bible says don't compare because God, God says with me, all things are possible. I can take you from where you were and put you in a place you never thought you would be. I can deal with the struggle that you have because we have struggles. Folks, when you become a Christian, it doesn't just go away. If I like money, it ain't like I become a Christian and say, oh, now I just want to be poor. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like all of a sudden you just, I'm single, right? So it's not like all of a sudden I just, I'm just blind. I don't see any beautiful women walking by. No, you have to take those things back to God. You have to be honest with him, but we can't go blaming our life. We can't go blame others because really that's a cop out. There comes a point where we have to take responsibility. And in the generation we live today, everybody wants to blame everybody else. We can never take responsibility and say, you know what? Yes, I did that. It was wrong. Even then, if we do, we say, I did that was wrong. I mean, I wouldn't have done it that bad if it hadn't been. We just, I did it. And that's what we have to do in our, in our life. We have to say, yes, that sin is mine. I own it. I did that. I'm not living with a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm living for myself. Even if you have a head knowledge sometimes we forget that being a Christian isn't just knowing about Jesus, knowing what he did on the cross. It's actually giving him our full life. You'll hear a lot of times people say you have to surrender your heart. And you're thinking, what does that mean? Your heart is the life source of your body. You can be brain dead, but you cannot be heart dead. People can be brain dead and still living. Your heart goes out, that time it, you're done. So when they say your heart, they mean giving your life, your full, complete life, everything over to him. And I tell you, that's the hardest thing to do for anybody. And as Christians, we're still constantly giving that up, saying, not my desires, yours, not what, not what, what I want to do, what you want me to do. So the question is, where are you? That's what God is asking you. Where are you? And when it got to the woman, so Adam said, it's not my fault. It's that woman's fault. And God is great because he doesn't mince words. He goes, okay, well, why did you eat of the fruit? Well, me, it was the serpent. The talking snake told me to do it. You can't, you can't blame me. I mean, come on. It's a talking snake. I just had to. So then some of us turn around and do the same thing. It's not me, it's the devil. You ever somebody, it wasn't me, it was the devil made me do it. No, own the responsibility. All the devil does 
is tempt. He did what he did to Eve. Oh, did God really say, look how good this fruit looks. He just doesn't want you to be like him. And the devil's still telling us the same lie. God gives you a list of do's and don'ts because he knows that you are going to be like him. If you would just take the reins of your own life and keep living the way that you're living. Well, let me tell you, that's the first lie and the first mistake. It appeals to that natural nature. We want to be as God. I can do this. It's that God complex. It's in all of our movies and entertainment. We see it. It's just reiterated because that's the nature of the society. I am God. Only for a tragedy to happen or an accident for us to realize our mortality. Because we will die. But I tell you what. Today, the only tree you need to hide behind is the wooden cross of Jesus Christ. That's the only tree you need to hide behind. And you're not hiding behind it because you're trying to not be exposed. You're not hiding behind it because you are afraid or ashamed. You're hiding behind it because it's already taking care of all that stuff. And you're hiding behind it because when God says, where are you? You can say, I'm with Jesus. And he goes, yes, I know. Let's walk and talk. So where are you tonight? Where are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ? You and you alone can answer that question. You can't look to anyone else. There's no poll you can take. There's no scientific study. It's a simple Really, yes or no? Yes, I'm with God. Yes, I have a relationship with him. Or no, I do not. There's no gray area. No middle ground. You know, some people would say, I have one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. That's a lie. You can't. You either have both feet in a relationship planted with God. Or you have both feet away from God. So he's asking you, where are you? Are you full of bitter bitterness? Are you full of anger? Are you full of shame? Are you are you away from him because you just you don't understand you can't get there? Break through that stuff. It's all fog anyway. Just walk through. Get to Jesus. You know, there's a story in a Bible. There was a lady who had an issue, a medical issue. There were so many people around Jesus. She got down and crawled through. She made it through. She knew she had to get to Jesus because she realized he was the only one that was going to heal her. And she touched the bottom of his clothes. She touched here and was healed. Instantly healed. Now, I don't know what you're going through. And I'm not going to promise that if you come to this altar, you're going to be instantaneously healed. What's going to be instantaneously, if you're truly giving your heart, don't come based on emotion. Your emotions will get riled up. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't come based on emotion or come multiplicity of time or come because you feel like. Make the decision. Actually think about it for a moment. And say, do I want 
to give my all? Am I willing to fight the fight? Because it's going to be a fight. You're going to have to fight the thoughts that say, go back and do that. You're going to have to fight the thoughts of shame. You're going to have to fight the thoughts of anger and bitterness. You're going to have to fight through those and say, I'm going to fight through everything that's between me and Jesus. If I have to crawl to him, I'm just going to touch him. Because he's going to change my life. He loved me. He loves you. And that's what brought him to the cross because he said, you're worth it. Your life is worth it. If you're sitting here tonight and maybe you've been contemplating suicide, that's not God's plan for you. He loves you. Where are you? Maybe you grew up a bit in church. Maybe you grew up understanding it. In this American culture, we know about Jesus. And so maybe you grew up, but you just never made it. Or maybe you dibble-dabbled a little bit, but said, ah, this isn't for me. Where are you? Get back to what you know is the truth. Get back to that place that you can say, yes, Jesus. So when God calls and says, where are you? You can say, I'm right here. I'm here, Lord. I'm here. Come on, I want to walk. I want to talk. I'm here, Jesus. I'm here. And he goes, I know, come. Now I want you to ask yourself that question. I want you just to close your eyes for a moment. Just close your eyes for a moment. Stay with me. And I want you to hear the voice of God. The voice of Jesus Christ. Saying, where are you? My son, where are you, my daughter? Where are you, my beloved? I died on the cross for you because I love you. I love you so much. Where are you? Because I want a relationship with you. I want to talk to you. I want to help you in your life. I want to lead and guide you. Where are you? Now, if you're a Christian here tonight, then you know that voice as he, as he speaks to you. And you can say, I'm here, Lord. Maybe you've only been half-hearted and you're like, I don't know if that's the voice of God or not. Then maybe you need to be assured that it is. But if you're here tonight and you're saying in my heart, I don't hear that voice. I don't hear God asking me. That usually means you don't have a relationship with him. Because the Bible says, my sheep know my voice. When I go in a store and my mom screams my name, I know her voice. So if you don't hear that voice, then perhaps you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Now I'm going to ask you to do something. If you can't answer that question, yes, I have a relationship with Jesus. Then I want you to take a bold step. And so many things today, people are willing to be bold. They're bold on social media. They're bold when it comes to all kinds of other choices. 
But then when it comes to the most important choice of life, they get all timid and shy and think people are judging them. Nobody's judging you. Because God loves you. If you can't say yes to that voice, then I'm going to ask you to come down right here and join me. Whether you're in the balcony or on the floor, I want you to come join me right down here because I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you because I want you to leave here knowing with an assurance that when that question is asked, where are you? You can say, I'm right here, Lord. You go ahead and come down. If you're with somebody, bring them with you. Go ahead, come down. Take that bold step. Take the bold step and come. Come all the way here to the front. Where are you? Do you know that you know that you know that you have a relationship with the one who loved you and created you? We're going to sing a song right quick because I want to give everyone an opportunity. Those of you that are down here, you just start talking to God. It's very simple. Say, God, I'm right here. I've made the bold step. I've come forward because I don't care what anybody else thinks. I want you to know that I know I'm going to have a relationship with you. And I want you to think about that. Maybe you didn't come down. You're still on the fence. Get off the fence. Humpty Dumpty fell off and broke himself. Get off the fence. Eternity's in the balance. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, oh Lord. I thank you for the boldness of my friends here to come down. And to answer the question that you have posed to their heart that says, where are you? And they said, here am I. I'm here. I came in here tonight and I boldly came down. So God, I pray that you would touch every heart, every mind. God, that they would have a full assurance of who you are. Lord, I pray that there would be a desire in their heart to talk to you and that they would freely do it, whether they're on the subway or whether they're at home or in their car or at work. God, they would bring everything to you. Every problem, every issue, every great thing. When they're excited, they would talk to you about it, oh God. I pray, Lord, that they would be willing to to open the Bible, that they would be willing to accept the truth. And when our lives don't match up what's in the Bible, God, I pray that they would be willing, oh Lord, to make the change because you're going to give them the strength. You're a wonderful Savior and you are going to give them the strength to make the changes they need. God, I pray that they understand the simplicity of who you are. That today would be an amazing first day. An awesome first day of the rest of their life walking with you. Knowing who you are. Being able to face anything life throws their way. 
being able to, to break through any bitterness or anger or shame, break through any depression, anxiety, all those things that want to bring them down, oh God. Break through the pride and the arrogance, oh God. Break through the, the things in their life that they feel that they're God. But Lord, realizing they have to bend their knee because they were created by God. They aren't God, but they're created by the one God who loves them. And they would be able to walk in this life. Walk in truth. Walk in faith and grace and mercy. And then when they get to heaven, they cross the gates. Lord, that they hear your voice. Say, welcome, my child. Welcome home. God, help them to understand what it means to have the sin debt paid on the cross of Jesus Christ. You died, Jesus, for their sins because you loved them. And today they're acknowledging that. So give them all the strength they need to keep walking in that understanding. And we thank you for that.